Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. I'm Heidi. And um wanted to tell you guys I'm happy to be back in town. Been uh, out of town for a little while. And I think I, you I were kind of rubbing it in, I feel like. <laughs> you were, you're like, oh, I don't want you guys to be jealous. I'm not trying to rub it in. We're like, you don't even have to try to rub that crap in. I know, I know. Um, you know, in all honesty, it was it was a much different California trip than I've ever had. Um, I didn't mention last week I went home in my hometown, but it's normal, you know, a lot of things were not accessible and I was in a motor home the whole entire time, but it, you know, it, it really worked out some, for some great family bonding time. The high for my That's trip awesome. was the high for my trip was my daughter got addicted to surfing like her dad and my son <laughs> started getting in the water and catching waves and he's addicted to at least boogie boarding now. He's only five and and my wife, the big high, my wife saw my daughter doing it. She goes, I want to do it with her. Wife had a bad surfing experience long before I met her, so she never wanted to do it again. And now she's addicted to surfing. And because of that, both of them said, let's stay a couple days longer. I swear I never thought that would happen. Usually I'm always trying to stay longer. And they're like, let's stay a couple days longer. I'm like, you don't have to sell me on that one. So that were my highs for the trip was that I'm probably going to be able to get to go home to California more because now my wife and daughter love to do what I do, which is surf. So oh, win, that's win so great. That's that was great. like a good family moment, and we got to spend family time roasting marshmallows in a little portable fire pit that we had. So it was really probably the best trip we've ever had, but not an easy trip. We didn't have a car. We had to ride our bikes everywhere, so it was fun. Got a lot of exercise, that's for sure. <laughs> but I'm back here, and the day I got here yesterday, I'm back to having allergies and you know, back to wearing lots of lotion because it's dry here and chapstick. So besides that, everything's been great. How about you, Heidi? Well, there's some major changes happening in in our family, and um, so this next week, Quincy is. I'm doing air quotes. You can't really see me, um, but Quincy is leaving to to start her um, journey as a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and her mission call takes her to Houston, Texas. Spanish speaking. And so traditionally, you know, you start in the, the MTC experience, which is the missionary training center. It's a six week um, stint. And um, now all the missionary training centers around the whole world are closed. And so it's actually a virtual missionary training experience. Um, so, so an experiment. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's an experiment. Let's just say she's not going to get homesick. She's probably yeah. going to like get sick of home. You know, yeah. like she's going to be like, get exactly. me out of here. Um, so, you know, actually we took a couple little family, family jaunts. Um, just kind of trying to get in some last family memories before the mission kicks off. So, um, you know, I've kind of been going through some of that like trying to process how, how the world is going to look and, um, 
with school wrapping up and um, some other changes in, in my work and school, you know, it's just, it's been a crazy, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. Um, but also like good. Um, you know, you're not supposed to run faster than you have strength. I always try to. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but I'm, I said, I'm just, if there's anything, I'm just kind of happy that the homeschooling part of this experiment is coming to an end. I think you and every parent out there that's been having to be homeschooling is happy about that. People <laughs> in California, other states, they've got a few more weeks left though. They're, they're not in the clear yet. Um, well, you know, well, they, I, 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 say, I failed. <laughs> well, um, What's failure on something that's an experiment, right? It's just an experiment. <laughs> um, I'm glad that you gave us the update because you know it's been a long, it's been a while for our listeners to kind of just get an update on us. So it's it's really good to hear because you know a lot of things that you just said right now, I just found out right before the podcast. I'm like, wait, you're where were you at? <laughs> you're in Arizona, then you're in like pal and stuff like that. But I get it. You want to make as many memories before she goes to her room to learn how to speak Spanish, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yep. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an adventure. Yeah. So, um, why don't you uh, do you want to lead off uh, our, our discussion, or would you like you want to open it up, or would you like yeah. to open it up? Yeah. No, I I think that you know early on in this pandemic situation, I I kind of felt like everybody was talking about it, and I kind of didn't want it to be the only thing we talked about, right? And so. Um, none of us knew how long it was going to go on for. And, um, and then our conversations about it really became necessary. Like we were realizing that we needed to talk about it and we were learning and, um, it has been an, just an amazing experience in a lot of different ways. And, and the word amazing doesn't, I think sometimes when we say amazing, it means amazing good. But I think that I use the word amazing in the standpoint that it has amazed me um, on kind of the whole spectrum of the way it's challenged, the way it's blessed, the way it's amplified problems, the way it has reduced problems. Um, And I know that everybody across the globe is having just a really different individual specific unique experience um with the pandemic and um for me i i just want to share is we're kind of we're kind of tailing um i don't know if you guys follow on instagram i don't know if you do david this guy called dude with a sign you follow him anyway Mm. he's it's a (laughs) it's it's a funny the guy just kind of stands with these big cardboard signs and usually the I think the real the reason why it's so funny is because he just speaks this massive truth in on these signs and so it, you know if you need it if you need a good laugh go check him out it's like yeah, dude with the sign anyway so he so yesterday's post or the other day's post two days ago said okay COVID wrap it up <laughs> is what it said <laughs> on the sign and I was like okay yeah let's wrap it up um I think that for me, and and I, I kind of feel like we're in the stage 
you know, we're in Utah and we've moved to yellow, um, which means we can have groups of 50 stores are opening. I noticed old Navy was opening. Um, I got my hair cut. The malls are open. The malls are open. (laughs) I mean, I, I can't believe how happy I, I'm always usually happy to get a haircut, but it was, it was pretty shaggy dog situation. Extra special. Um, but every conversation has kind of come to this, like, what have you learned? And um, here's the interesting thing for me, and, and this isn't exactly our topic, but, but I have learned that before this pandemic situation, I was operating on a very, very high level of, of chaos. Um, to to the point that it was my normal. Um, like if there wasn't I, chaos, you weren't going to get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> I, I didn't even, I don't even know not chaos. And to have my life shaved down to just the essentials, it felt so good. <laughs> to the point where I'm like wanting to just like shave everything out. <laughs> my life. Um, so you're over now you want to overcorrect and cut everything out. I, <laughs> you know, and tonight, um, actually Connor had, uh, the racetrack, he r- rides motorcycles, the racetrack is open and they went and I was like, wait, so you guys are just going, you're leaving, you're going to be gone for us tonight. <laughs> you know, this, this right. hasn't happened. Um, but what I'm noticing is that other people in my life that don't operate at the extreme levels of chaos that I do are needing these things added back in are really craving. Um, I think Eric was just giddy to load the, the bikes up and go to the motorcycle track. And, you know, the, the dads that he talks to the motorcycle guy, the rep, you know, all the people that are down there, he is just giddy to go and, and talk to him. And, um, so that kind of leads us in to what we're going to, what we're talking about is, um, things aren't going to go back to normal just yet. And kind of depending on where everybody is. Um, in fact, Eric's work has told them they're still gonna, they're still going to have a couple of months possibly where they're just not, they're just not going to push it things you know they've kind of adapted it's working they're not going to push it and um you know even eric kind of said to me i just kind of miss getting up and going somewhere and having a change of scenery and having um my colleagues to talk to and going to lunch with somebody um and so that you know i i I have sensed it sounds like David, you've talked to people too that just um starting to realize that just kind of being in a vacuum in your own home, even though you're having kind of these you're getting your work done, you're getting the things that you absolutely need. Um, but there's this element in in our life that's absolutely missing and it's other people. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I, and I just want to show this really quick. So I have a business, like a side business, a hobby business where we, um, cut wood signs and 
one of our hottest sellers is donut, donut stands, little tabletop donut stands. And they're super cute. They're for parties. And the donut stands hold um, 16 donuts. And um, we like graduation and end of the school year, banquets, like class parties. This is when people are using their donut stands. Um, Needless to say, nobody could even get 16 people together and nobody like no family of four should be eating 16 donuts, you know? So yeah. the donut sales, the donut stands have just been like out of commission. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that you realize there's so many aspects of your life that you want to gather and celebrate. And it's almost like it, it doesn't, it's not as meaningful if you can't gather and, and commemorate and celebrate. Yeah. That's missing. No, that's true. Well, and, and just going to work as a gathering, you know, you're not necessarily celebrating every day you go to work, but, you know, um, you know, one of my, one of my students, I can't remember where I heard this a long time ago, but says, you know, connection creates innovation or creates the best innovation. And sometimes you could be innovating, you know, you know, in a conversation, you could just come up with better ideas, talk with another parent, how you can handle a situation with your kids. Sometimes it could be about, you know, cooking meals at home. You know, there's just something about when we talk with other human beings, we piggyback each other, we get ideas, those ideas grow, and then they can more likely turn into action. We can do something about it. And that kind of leads into what what I want to talk about today. And um, it, for our loyal listeners of Light the Fight, you know, and, and you've heard me talk about this a lot and Heidi talk about this a lot. We talk about this thing called social health. and uh, what I want to talk about today is um, this is something that I've been doing more recently, probably since before I left to California, right around like right before Mother's Day. Um, I always run and maybe you guys should talk about this, but um, I specifically for years, one of the, the things that have helped me out the most um, in figuring out how to better help my clients is I run these little social experiments, it's the best thing that I can call it. And what a social experiment for me is I start hearing a number of people have similar challenges, similar problems. And then I, I take those, that information and I start asking other clients if that's something that they've been noticing. And then sometimes I'll go to my own friends and say, hey, you know, you know what do you think about this? Because I, I like to compare people I'm seeing professionally in my practice with people who are just in normal, commonplace relationships. Because sometimes if I take only the people I see coming to me because they have got serious, difficult issues. Maybe their perspective is a little skewed because they're in such a traumatic situation or they're like in the depths of despair. So then I go back and ask some of my friends, say, hey, do you struggle with these things? Do you notice these things with your kids, families, work, whatever, whatever have you, right? And in this last social experiment, I just noticed that people were more likely to have longer, deeper conversations with me that normally would be shortened texts short and talk. And these people, all of a sudden, now they'd be responding faster back to me, responding longer. Next thing you know, they're like trying to in, engage with me more. And the people I'm referring to were definitely people who are not like that at all. So it made me curious. And I started going, hmm, I wonder if, if it's having this effect on other people. And so I started asking other clients and I started asking you know, my friends. I started to conclude is that um, more and more people were confessing to me 
that they were struggling at this end of the pandemic totally different than they were struggling in the beginning. In the beginning, there was a lot of dun 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 shock, awe, fear. You know, here in Utah, we had an earthquake right after the pandemic started, so there was no toilet paper anywhere. People are <laughs> freaking out for good reason. No, nobody knows what to do. We're in fight or flight mode. Then the mask and the social distancing, you know, um, era started to happen, and so then people are okay. We know that we need to follow certain rules so that we don't get sick. And then now, towards the end, is businesses and and you know shops and you know um, you know schools and certain things are trying to reopen and they're trying to figure out this whole entire new norm that everybody talks about. It's not a new thing to be working from home, and it's not a new thing to be getting all of your work done online or over the phone. But what is new is that we no longer have the just natural social connections that were given to us on a day-to-day basis by simply going to a job. Now, some people in customer service will get very stressed out and frustrated dealing with customers. But when you're dealing with them face-to-face, it's much different than if you're dealing with them over the phone or online. Now, other people were telling me that even when you're dealing with a stressed out customer through customer service, right? When you get off that phone call and you take your smoke break, your bathroom break, or just go, ah, the person in the cubicle next to you, you can be like, did you hear that lady? Like, I know that. I can't believe she's so right. But you get to vent back and forth with someone else that has a shared mutual struggle. And as I mentioned a lot, when human beings are sharing a struggle together, they're better. Like we collectively support one another better. We collectively feel empathy and compassion for one another. That's why a lot of people have noticed, even though people are on edge during the pandemic, there's a lot more social politeness on certain situations because we all had a greater respect because we're all going through the same struggle. Now, we might have been going through different relationship struggles, different work struggles, but we were all dealing with the same fears. And so in this social experiment, what I started to find out was that so many people are not getting the typical social and work as they were before. So to put this very clearly and basically is that, uh, and basic is that when you go to, to work, you get a twofer, you get your social interaction for about eight hours and you get to contribute to a company, make some money, check the financial boxes, check the boxes you can pay your bills. But the glue that held all that together that made it bearable for eight hours were the people that you're around. Even if you had one coworker that you socialized with, that you commiserated with, that you shared wins with, that was such a powerful, intimate relationship. It allowed you to get through the difficult acts of the day. Now, here's the interesting thing. You get home from a long work day, you're tired and exhausted, you're ready to unwind, maybe you have to get dinner ready, whatever it is, but you had so much stuff done throughout the day and you check the social box. Now, some people, they come home, they'd still make phone calls to their friends, family members, and still do some social stuff, but they got so much social throughout the day that they'd really already gotten enough. Now what's happening is people are going are doing work from home or having to communicate digitally through work, that it's really the task and the job at hand. When you're done with the task and job, you're still tired like a long day's work, but you didn't get any replenishment from the social interaction and connection with other people while you're going through the workday struggles. So I talked with a a local company here today. I talked with some of my friends who run companies and they were all finding the same thing. 
the introverted people in the company that were hating to go to meetings that were really regret, like just like a uh, bot humbug about everything. Those sometimes have been the people that are the last one to want to get off the Zoom call. <laughs> They're trying to keep the conversation going on longer because even introverted people need connection. They may not need as much, but introverted people, I don't want to say that they're lazy in social health, but if you have a job that you have to socially communicate with other people, you're like, okay, I got enough. I'll just go home now. People are realizing that our social health is exactly what we've been talking about on the podcast, and which I think is pretty common knowledge. Our social health is drastically, uh, not drastic, but is extremely influential and helps support our mental, emotional, and physical health. And so the feedback that I'm getting is a couple different things. And just to kind of sum all this up before we talk about some things you can do about it, is that everyone is realizing even when the pandemic is becoming less fearful, even when things are opening up, we are now in a world where our work and our social is not as intertwined as it was before. And so that if we do not make specific efforts to go and seek out social health, it would be as if we're just eating off the dollar menu off McDonald's every day. Yes, it sustains us. You know, it's food in our belly. But how long can we go with just getting the bare bones. And that's what I'm finding for myself, for other people, that now that we've been doing this for two or three months, why is everybody having this weird hangover from the pandemic? Why is everybody like, we got, we're used to this life, but something feels out of place. Now, the natural reaction and some of the people I've talked to said, sometimes we think, okay, well, we have to go into the opposite. We have to create all these new connections. Well, maybe we don't really need to reinvent the wheel maybe we need to go back to a much more archaic and much more old school type of a wheel. And, you know, back in the day when your closest neighbor was miles and miles away from you, social gatherings were extraordinarily important. Church meetings on Sundays would have been the only time you saw those people. There was no social media to keep track of people. So I don't want to say that I believe that we've become lazy with our social health, but our social health was kind of injected normal in our day-to-day life because of our work environment. I see the same thing at schools. How many kids haven't been going to school and you see them chomping on the bit every day. They're like a, a dog in the kennel that's been in the kennel for too long. Like, let me out, let me out, let me out. And parents are, you know, sitting there, man, I'm watching my kid go stir crazy because their social health is so important to their overall mental and emotional well-being. It is if you're getting um, a mood stabilizer and something calming you down. Now, going back to one of the neurochemicals that everybody knows I love to talk about is oxytocin. Just so happens that oxytocin is the bonding chemical. When you're hanging out with other kids at school, and I know you being a mom with kids in school, you'd find this out a lot. Your friends would have, uh, I mean, your kids would have a hundred friends that they'd communicate with at school. But after school, they'd only hang out with four or five. On the weekends, just a couple. Some kids during the summer, were very down and depressed that I talked with because they would tell me things like, yeah, during the school year and stuff, like, you know, I hang out with people during the day, but we're not friends outside of school. And I wish we could be, but they didn't know how to make those connections become deeper. And so they might not have like the access, you know, you, I don't have a car that, you know. Right. Yeah. And so school was the one saving grace. That's why I've always said the most important thing about school has never been the school work. It's been the social component. Now, the school work, the school work is why you're there, 
just like the most important thing at work isn't always the money you make. In fact, studies have shown, I think since 1980s, they've proven that the amount of money you make is not the number one motivator for people to work hard. It's do you have influence at your job? Do people take you seriously? Do you matter? Do you feel like you create change for the better? Now, the money is just, you know, that's an added bonus. But all of us have had jobs that we stayed at long because we're comfortable. We like the people there, not because they paid us a lot, not because it was the best situation. We just like the environment. Human beings are social creatures. So for us, if we find a good social situation, a group of guys to go riding motorcycles with, a certain group of people to work out with, you know, a, a, a basketball league where we get to play some one, you know, some basketball, with some friends. We are so loyal to those groups, even to the point where we'll be uncomfortable sometimes. So now a lot of us are just doing work for work's sake. We're not getting the social out of it, and we're feeling this major social health hangover. This this pandemic has created a major social distressor for a lot of people. And because we relied upon digital connections so much in the first two months of this, we were able to get through this. Nobody wanted to do a pandemic in the 80s. Oh my goodness. Or in the <laughs> 90s. It's like, right. like, there's like, you can only watch that VHS tape so many times. The same movie <laughs> over and over again. But in today's world, we're thankful we have Netflix. Well, guess what happens after two months? You're, you've watched everything that you're interested in on Netflix. I, I mean, how many times you scroll through your Instagram feed like, no one's like, we're running out of things to post here. Like no one's like, it just wasn't as live and exciting as it was before. So we got to go back to the old school. And one thing that I found out's been working for a lot of people is putting your social health as a weekly and daily priority, just like paying your bills, hmm. just like, you know, putting gas in your car. And the people who have been making those efforts to do just that are the people that seem to be transitioning into this new normal a lot easier with less stress and less overwhelming pressure that they can no longer continue to stay at a job. I've had so many conversations with people that I, they're like, I can't keep on doing this job. I can't keep on doing this job. I'm like, well, you worked here for five years. Why is it now like making you fall apart? Well, there's usually a lot of reasons, but one continuing one factor that keeps on coming up is that the job wasn't really that ideal anyways. It was the social part of the job that made it bearable. Right. And some people, they will not be able to get that from the job that they're currently at. And some people just have to be creative and come up with other ways to create social connections with the people that you work with and also social connections outside of your work environment. So you can have your work life, your social life, and your family life. Where before the work and social were so intertwined, we could kind of get away with not being as social. But now we're starting to realize that that lack of social health is can be devastating. And one thing I think is important for me to share real quick, just for um, have you weigh in and, and we talk more about this. For many of you, you may not have heard me give a general definition of social health. That's what I was just going to ask that. you to do. So thank you. So, yeah. yeah. So social health is defined as your ability to form meaningful relationships with other people and interact in healthy, positive ways. The way you connect to the people around you, adapt to different social situations, and experience a sense of belonging all contribute to your social health. When we are around other people and being more social, not only do we get the high and the drug of connecting with other people, we get better ideas. We have we open up our mind to think, gosh, I'd never considered. People have changed my viewpoints and opinions just by simply sharing stuff that they went through. I remember as a young professional, I thought, oh, anyone's on medication, that's stupid. You know, that that's you know, that's that's weak. You know, they just need to figure this out. This was like before I ever really worked in the profession. I just started to take a couple of classes and had my first job. 
I found out really quickly that that was extraordinarily naive of me. I didn't have enough experience to, to understand what this thing really, it was just too complex for me. And I think a lot of us are in the same understanding with this whole social health thing is so complex, but the things we can do can actually be very simple. But if we're not getting that in our work life and you're feeling like you can relate to some of the things I'm saying that you're feeling lethargic, you're feeling down. Yeah, there can be a lot of reasons for that. But one boost for that is giving yourself some increased social health. That means treating it just like any other part of your health. Yeah. So you mentioned just out of that definition, the benefits is that you feel a sense of belonging, you feel needed, you feel like you get better ideas. And was there a third thing? Um, yeah, I probably said five or six. I can't remember. <laughs> <off that much. laughs> Sorry. Sorry for your spot. Anyway, I think that, you know, kids and adults alike, and I guess that's the reason why those two things kind of popped out at me. This sense of belonging, you know, we all belong. We at, at home, it's kind of like everybody's obligated to yeah. for us to belong here, whether yeah. they like it or not, whether they want us there or not, we're here, you know. Um, but when we go into a social a social situation, you kind of choose, you, you know, who you socialize with, and so you do feel like you kind of pick and choose. Um, yes. And then I love the thing that you said. Um, I recently actually spent some time driving on one of these little expeditions with, with another friend. And, um, we just were talking about like, one of the things that we talked about was just recipes. You know, we're just driving in the middle of nowhere talking about recipes that work for our families. And we'd actually never been in a place where we sat around long enough to actually ever get to a place where we were talking about random recipes that work for our family. And, um, it was so enlightening for me. And I've already done like two or three of the recipes that she shared with me, but I've never like just said, you know, while we're walking dogs and we pass each other, Hey, what is your family's favorite recipes? Never had a conversation about that. And so that really like actually added to my life to have some time to sit and have a conversation. Yeah. You know, and, and this podcast is a great example of the power of combination. We don't speak directly to people. We just talk. Now, sometimes we answer questions. Sometimes we, like today, we're saying, hey, here's some things that we're seeing. And so we comment on it. But that whole entire connection creates the best innovation. Just like that example, you wouldn't have, you maybe back of your mind, oh, I'd like to know some new recipes. But in the conversation, it gives you ideas, but it really gives you the motivation and the, like, the push that you needed. Like, wow, that sounds really interesting. That sounds delicious. I'm going to go ahead and do that. You couldn't have done that without a conversation. Then this is what we're all missing out for all of those of you listening to this that had a job that you went to and you had all this social interaction. There was plenty of recipe conversations on any random day at work. And then you'd go home and then you'd try this. Someone would share, hey, check out this movie, check out this. You know, there was so much back and forth and passing. The more you spend time around people, the more there is an opportunity for those conversations to have room to grow. And then out of those conversations come amazing like opportunities to try new things, to get involved in things that you know that, that you would have never thought you'd be interested, in, but now you're like, well, maybe I would be interested in that. 
And so since that is taken away, we have to become creative and how can we still create social connections when they're not just handed to us by we show up to a job every day. And part of but, that too, go ahead. Well, when you just said that, and, and I use that recipe, that recipe example, which is kind of silly, but if I'm curious about a recipe, I don't call my friends anymore. Yeah. I don't talk about that. I go to Pinterest, you know, and, and then there's a recipe there that just happens to be like it, like the photos look good. And so, you know, yeah, I'll try that. I bet you that I had so much better luck having a conversation about a couple recipes that work for my friend's family, that I know what her family's like, that I, that I know what her little idiosyncrasies are. And she kind of told me how she varies the recipe, this and that. And I bet you I had more success with those three recipes than I did with any of the recipes that I would have just randomly pulled from, from Pinterest. And you, you know why that is from, from my perspective? What? Cause you why? know, you know, you know, it says uh, that saying a picture is like a thousand words, right? So the picture grabs the attention and go, Ooh, that's amazing. But guess what our brains are not impressed with as much anymore? Shiny pictures. We need connection now. See, before Instagram, before social media, before phones were on, did you know back in the days, pictures were actually special, right? I'm joking because <laughs> you're a scrapbooker. Right? Well, it's like, it's but like, now it's like, is that a real photo or is it a, is it a fake photo? Exactly. So, so not only do we not know how real that is, we get, I mean, think about how many pictures you take in one month of one of your daughters. And those are more pictures in that one month than ever existed of your whole entire life up to this point, like up until like through your right. childhood, like there, there just and, wasn't that many pictures of us. And so and pictures even, have really, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, as far as like stuff on Pinterest, you don't even know if there was a crew of five people that made that possible. Is it no, actually you know, a mom? Well, right. Cause that's what you I, you know, <laughs> you know that there's like, that didn't just accidentally look that way. The background lighting. <laughs> no. Right. But now I'm talking to a mom who I know she needs something with four ingredients and will takes 15 minutes and, and satisfies people. Um, it it's that ideas with innovation that when connection, when you, when you know, and you trust and those relationships are trusted, there's so much more value in the information that's shared. So the saying that, to go off what you're saying, the saying that I was going to say, most people have heard the saying, a picture is worth a thousand words, right? Right, right. Well, I would like to add to that. A referral and a testimony is worth a thousand pictures. Okay. I love that. Because in my business, in your business, in most businesses, you can tell the story. You can have the greatest website. You can have all that exterior value. But when push comes to shove, if you have a friend, someone that you trust, bear a solid testimony of how the, well this product works or how great this recipe is, our brain is more likely to trust a referral from someone that we trust than it is going to trust a picture. And the, the fact is there is always like... You know, on social media, you have influencers and you have people that you grow to trust because, yeah. you know, you, you believe they're what consistent. they say and they're, they're consistent. And you align yourself, but there's nothing 
like the person that you're sitting in the cubicle next to for three years or, yeah. you know, that you're walking with every single one of your lunch breaks or, you know, that, yeah. that you've raised your kids together. Those you've are cried on their shoulder. They've cried on right. your shoulder. Like those are the true supporters. Like influencers can influence you, but them support you directly. It's a different relationship. So I, and like you said, those supporters have amazing influence over you just in a different way. So I guess what, what you're saying here is even if you don't think maybe some of the listeners who are listening are like, you know, eh, it hasn't been that big of a deal to me. or I don't have anybody like that or whatever. What you're saying is that social health is part of self-care. It's part of your mental health. It's an aspect that we actually have to try to do better in. It's like getting seven hours of sleep. It makes your life better, whether you realize it or not, or whether you're aware of it or not, that there's this component to actually intentionally having valuable social interaction that adds to your life, like brushing your teeth or having a good night's sleep. Yeah, social health, I agree with that. Social health is not like, you know, the sun rising in the east and setting in the west every day. It's not a guarantee. But for so many of us, because it was so naturally a part, you know, some of the grumpiest guys I know, they have tons of social relationships at work, but outside of work, they don't talk to anybody. They go, I'm good. Mm -hmm. That's good enough. Maybe their crumbs help them wrench on the car every now and then, but they don't realize that. But now what they're going through, not having that social interaction with Jim and Bob and Stacy at the office down, you know, you know, like at the headquarters, they realize like, man, I'm really missing that. If, if there's anything I do in my life's work, um, even with parents and families, everything, I, I guess the biggest thing I want to scream from the rooftops for us, uh, until people start taking it, like not taking it serious, but just noticing it more is this. Our social health is the one part of our health that lies like almost like in the shadow. It's like, it's so obvious that we forget it's even there. Imagine our physical health if nobody knew that eating McDonald's off the dollar menu every single day was actually bad for you because they just like the way McDonald's tasted. Imagine how many people would be living an unhealthy life simply because the convenience of McDonald's. I'm not trying to diss on McDonald's, just using this as an extreme analogy, right? Right. But, uh, but like, if you didn't know McDonald's was unhealthy for you to eat three meals a day, if you didn't know that you thought, well, gosh, it's convenient, um, it's cheap. Like I can, like it's way cheaper than eating healthy. So you can justify and rationalize all these reasons just to go ahead and do it. But because we've learned about the body and how certain calories and certain processed foods can affect us and all these different types of ways, people start to get more conscious. Like, gosh, you know, maybe every now and then, but every day, multiple meals. That's right. I don't feel good after I've eaten it that many times. Then they start to put together, they start to, you know, do the math a little bit. The only math that I'm trying to help people see is that. We all know that our social health is extraordinarily important, but because we're so focused on other things, it's flying below the radar. And until this pandemic, I don't think a lot of people would have awakened and be like, wow, I am not feeling good because of the lack of just day-to-day communication and connections that I would sometimes we just take advantage of it, not take advantage, but take, take it for granted. For granted, because yeah. It, yeah, for granted, just because it's just there. We just had no idea that even... The grumpiest of the grumpy still need a couple people to commiserate and be grumpy with. <laughs> like misery loves company, right? Everybody knows misery loves company. 
But even that is a connection. To be pissed off about the same thing with a friend, yeah. that's a social connection. That's good social health, you know, just as long as you don't do it all day, every day, of course. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, even just talking, I mentioned, I went to the hairdresser yesterday and it was even just good to talk to my hairdresser. <laughs> Great to talk to your hairdresser. Right. Great to talk to your hairdresser. Not even good. It's, Is that it's something true. that, something that, I mean, every woman knows this. I think guys to barbershops know this. It's like, yeah, you're getting your haircut, but it's a social call. Yeah. It's yeah. a social call. The best hairdressers and the best barbers are a good at their craft and good at their other craft, the gift of gab. It's true. It's just true. listening, just hanging out, just talking. I remember yeah. um, uh, all, all the girlfriends, like friends of mine that were hairdressers, they all had one in co- one thing in common. They had all had colorful lives. They colored their hair once a week, almost right, different colors. But they were the chillest chicks to talk to. They're like, yeah, I got it. Like my dad was an alcoholic. Like they all have their own story that they were made for nine to five work life. And so they're <laughs> the type of person you could just say whatever. They're like, nah, they, they, no big deal. I heard that three clients today already. They're kind of like you know a, a hairstylist and a little bit of like a, a relationship like friend at the same time. You know, definitely a social person that you can just vent to. I think that this concept kind of like all of our concepts is it kind of boils down to this intention um that we actually have to try we have to try to have some um try to make the relationships that we have meaningful valuable try to reach out to to people try to um make the effort knowing that there's an upside, Yeah, you you know, because we can all just go on autopilot in all of our, in all aspects of our life of parenting of with your spouse, you know, whatever, like being on autopilot um, sometimes just feels like a, like a safety zone, you know, just like less effort, less stress. Um, But there's from a relationship standpoint, there's, there's always so much value in the effort and the intention. Yeah. I'm, I'm very happy to see a lot of people that weren't willing to put social questions and social health as a priority are now starting to, to turn, to turn, uh, to turn over a new leaf. Um, and some of the people I was so surprised because I would have never thought that they would have ever, I mean, I've been trying to sell people, and put put the, the importance in these relationships in talking to your kids. I get it from a lot of people. They're like, oh, my parents never talked to me. They give me the long stories to justify why not to do it. But I'm seeing a lot of these people come back saying, gosh, I don't, why did I have such a hard line on that? Well, because it's uncomfortable. No one did it for you. And so you think, why should I do it for my kids? Like they know I love them. I provide for them. I do what I got to do for them. But is that really having good social health or is that just doing the bare minimum? I would argue it's really just the bare minimum for survival, but survival has never been success. If we want to have real success in our workplace, real success in our relationships, then being available socially, being able to put yourself out there. And that's one thing that I talked about with this company today is that I, I suggested that someone's got to go first. If you have a group of people at work, 
and you would assume, or maybe there's some, some, some whispers that some people are struggling or having a hard time. Why not be the person to say, you know what, I'm having a hard time too. I had a couple ideas of some things that we could do. Maybe we could, you know, get together all in a parking lot, circle our cars around, and we could all work on our laptops from our tailgates. At least we're looking at other people like, what's up? Did you hear that call? Doing something to keep that same energy and flow going because without social connections in the workplace, work is pretty painful. Yeah. It can be a horribly long day. And then when we come home, if we didn't get that social benefit, that social health needs met, now our family, our friends, our loved ones got to deal with the version of us that's on empty socially. And as we've talked about before here in the podcast, it's really hard to put um, self-care into your life. And like you said, social health is a form of self-care. It'd be no different than working out, eating well, those types of things. But if we put that as a priority, I want us to see what the benefits would be. If we make the intention to go out of our way, some people said, you know, I try to get people to do social gathering events, you know, that I work with. I try to do this to try to make it. And I don't really get a lot of feedback. I'm like, if you told them that you're struggling and you need their help and their support because you personally are struggling, they go, no. I go, are you struggling? They go, yeah. And I know other people are, but nobody wants to admit it. I'm like, then go first. Just put it out there. So you got to be vulnerable to even be available to have a connection. And then once you're vulnerable and the person was, understands where you're coming from and if they can relate to where you're from, it increases the probability that they're going to be vulnerable back. And vulnerability doesn't have to mean you share your deepest, darkest secrets. Vulnerability could just be like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of not doing so well right now. And that's all I want to say about that. Right? <laughs> it's like, man, I, I'm really struggling. Could we please get together and meet? Could we do something? You would be surprised how many people will chime in and be like, I double, I second that. I, I third that opinion. The people that I've been coaching, the people I've been counseling that put it out there and go first are telling me the responses they're getting are so pleasantly surprising that they're not the only one. And that's what we're one of the major things we're lacking on not being around our coworkers is that constant day-to-day validation that we're not the only one. Other people are suffering with the same stresses that we're suffering with, but not having that face-to-face, it's harder to believe people's struggles. A lot of us, sometimes we get a little overwhelmed with people on social media talking about their struggles. We kind of drowned it like, okay, another pity party for yourself. Like I'm tired of hearing that. But when you've been working with somebody, you said Heidi for many years, and if that person says they're struggling, you put down your, you stop typing your keyboard for a second, you turn towards them, what's going on? Because that's important. Like the job is just the job. You can always do the job, but the person next to you, if they're struggling and doing their job, I think human resources, I think companies that have, you know, even from a small amount of employees, a lot of employees really should put greater efforts in how do we create social connections that social health approach, even when we're working at the facility anymore. I, I 100% agree. And, and that will lead to longer, you know, it's just like what you said, you said sometimes Less you, stay your job. Yeah, you stay at your job. Maybe there's things that you don't love about it, but you stay there because you, because you got friends. Maybe a lot of people do that, right? <laughs> or a lot of people say, "Do I leave this job that doesn't pay a lot for a job that says you can pay more, but I don't know these people and I really like these people?" Uh, that's, I mean, who wants to start a new job and be the new person? That's not really fun to do all the time. That's like saying, "Hey, every year let's go to a different school, your whole entire high school and elementary career." That should be fun, 
said nobody <laughs> ever. Right. No one wants to keep on restarting. So if we get something, it's comfortable for us. But a lot of these jobs were only comfortable socially. They weren't necessarily comfortable in, in you know, the work environment. And so I think a lot of people, that's why, like, you know, you said, like, and I know I've said this, a lot of people said this during the quarantine, you're like, all right, I'm throwing all everything off the plane that's weighing it down. Like we're just cutting all the, all the dead weight. <laughs> we're just throwing out like, I don't need this. I'm selling everything on eBay. I'm getting rid of this. I mean, me and I, I've made a lot of huge changes that I dreamt about making. And now I just did it. It seemed like it was overnight, but it was just, it was time, right? It was just time. Yeah. Um, one little, one little suggestion I want to give to people. This is a very basic one. It's, it's kind of similar to some other suggestions I've had. And when I talk about going first, something I would ask all of you guys to do with your employee with your co coworkers, or if you're a manager and these people that are, that you manage a team with, I want you to go out of your way to let someone know that you miss them, to let someone know that you miss your, your jokes, your funny conversation, those inside jokes you have at work. Just message them, call them, and see what they say. You'll probably get a lot of, uh, like, people don't know what to say. I know one of my buddies who I work out with um, not too long ago, um, right before I went on my trip, we have a group text, and he said, hey, man, I, I miss you guys. Like, I, I love you guys. And I just, it's man, I miss just going to the gym, just talking. Like, I could tell he, he like the rest of us, we're in such a normal routine. Go, 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 go. We didn't realize that working out together was more important than working out because in the quarantine we work out by ourselves, but it's not, it's just, eh. it sucks. It, it, it sucks. It's not really what you do it for, you know, unless you're training to be an Olympic athlete or something, but even then you got a coach telling you what to do and you're talking to someone, but just working out by yourself and just doing things just to be in good shape. It's only, it's one piece of the pie. It's not the whole, it's not the whole pie. The, the real thing is the interaction, the connection, the camaraderie, that tribal team feel that we're accomplishing something difficult together. Yeah. I love that. I will. I, I take your challenge. I'll do that. All right. I can think of, I can think of a couple of people that I, that I miss. And, and, um, and I want to add one thing that the, the reason why I suggest, and sorry, but the reason why I suggest going back to people you work with also, I want to suggest going back to relationships that, Nothing went wrong with the relationship. You just got too busy. There's a lot of relationships in our life that our life and their life went in different directions. There's no love lost. In fact, you had to talk to them, hang out with them again. But because you got so busy, you just really haven't checked in with each other as much. You can easily call those people and tell you, I miss them. Like, I miss you. I miss our talks. I miss that. doesn't mean that you have to get back to where you were before, but just acknowledging it, stating that. You're bearing testimony to these people that your relationship with them and, and their influence over you is really important. And I've gotten some phone calls and texts like that over the quarantine. I tell you, even though I touch about, talk about touchy feely stuff all the time, it, I just, I'm like smiling. I'm like a kid in a candy store. Like it made me feel so good that someone told me that they missed me that I was like, you know, I miss you too. I love you too. Like, it just, it's just like, I'm like, I'm like, I do miss them. Like I just was so busy. I didn't even think about it. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Yeah. So go ahead and say what you're gonna say. No, I, I think that I think that's a great place to kind of end. That's a, it's a great challenge and it's a great reminder. And you know, I I for one <laughs> I just get so busy that I think I'm kind of on the other end of the spectrum where 
um, I kind of forget that I need to be intentional ab- about it yeah. because um, you have so much just comes. I do love. Just I do love you. people, and and I do love people in my life, but I kind of allow myself to get so like I was talking about that that chaos that I get um, that it would benefit for me to just slow down and have meaningful conversations. Um, find out what people are feeding their families. Right. <laughs> I'm just going to start asking everybody. <laughs> it's like, so, so what type of pizza pockets do you give your kids at night? Like just out of curiosity, like do you have a healthy version? <laughs> Does everybody eat cold syrup for dinner? Is that what you guys do too? Yeah, pancakes <laughs> for dinner, right? Anyway, well, David, it's good to see you. We're still on Zoom. Yep. Um, so Zoom. we might have to, pretty soon, we'll maybe we'll be able to get back together in the same place. Although this has gotten kind of convenient for us. So you and I need to be probably more intentional as well. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll figure out the, the best way for this whole entire new normal situation for right now. I'm just, I'm just thankful that I have the opportunity to still do the podcast. I mean, back in the old days, the radio show, if this is a radio show, this would have been done. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, that they would have scrapped us. You know, <laughs> we'd have been like, ah, I can't do the TV show. Can't do the radio show. So I really enjoy the, the flexibility and the freedom that we have to continue to do the podcast. And I'm very thankful all the listeners because they still have the freedom to you know, to listen to our podcast and in the middle of their day as they choose and just have it on demand. I'm grateful for the technology so that we can continue to talk about how we need to use to technology, use the technology to reconnect, to stay connected and always be working on how can I improve and maintain my social health? Yeah. Yeah. Well, to all your listeners, you guys, thank you so much. Um, thank you to 1-800 for supporting us and encouraging us and um helping us out along the way even in the in the quarantine (laughs) um and to you listeners thank you for checking in supporting um i happen to have a rough couple days and um i really felt the support from our life if i listeners that um came in and, and gave me a lot of encouragement which i really appreciated so Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for making intentional changes and intentional efforts in your in your relationships and towards social health. And of course, as always, thank you for helping us to light the fight. <laughs>